Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Shut the Doors by Pastor Sean Wood. Let's pray as we come around God's Word. Father, I repeat the words of that song, Open the Eyes of Our Heart. That as your word goes forth, my prayer is that affections for Jesus would be stirred. I pray that, that our eyes would see the greatness of our King as we come around your word. Thank you, Father, that you wrote your word. You've sent us your word. Holy Spirit, we know that you move according to his word. Open the eyes of our hearts, we pray in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. For those that were here last week, we started a journey through the book of Malachi, or Malachi, depending on your liberal theology. And I love Malachi. Malachi comes to us. Where are we in the history of Israel? Malachi is prophesying at the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, Ezra and Nehemiah are responsible for leading a group back that will rebuild the walls after exile. They will rebuild the temple. Um, And something very interesting about Ezra and Nehemiah, they face a very very complex spiritual condition amongst the people of Israel. And here's what they determined to do. Uh, You can read about this in Nehemiah chapter 8, and you can read about it in Ezra chapter 7. Both of them determined we're going to uphold the law and the word of God, and God and his spirit move very powerfully. But fast forward about a hundred years, and Malachi, uh, the last prophet of the Old Testament, uh, is pretty easy to find. He's the last book in the Old Testament. He's one of the minor prophets, not because he wasn't very tall, but because the length of the book but his message although small is powerful most people when we read the book of malachi we think malachi chapter three it's the it's the tithing book well that's some good news for you this morning when we get to chapter three we're not taking up a special offering uh, because although the prophet is talking about money and tithing that's not the issue Something very deep is going on, and it's the same today when we talk about worship. Malachi has a message to the people of Israel that I believe resounds very heavily to us today. Last week, we learned that Malachi, if you could sum it up in one sentence, it says, return to the Lord. Malachi begins with why you would return to the Lord, because he has and does love us. And now we move on to, well, okay, How can we return to the Lord? Does that even apply to us today? You're asking really good questions. As you're making your way, or if you've already made your way to Malachi chapter 1, I don't know when it happened for you. I don't know how it happened for you. I don't know how old you were, but I can still remember the exact time in my life when I came to the conclusion and the revelation and the realisation that WWF wrestling was fake. Undertaker, take your makeup off. <laughs> Ric Flair, go home. Brit the, Brett the Hitman Hart, what a fake. <laughs> My universe imploded inside of 24 hours because in, inside of 24 hours I realised this is all staged. The outcomes are already determined and everything they're doing is actually not genuine and everything inside of me screamed, shut it down. Get your speedos off, put a pair of pants on. (laughs) I did not want to see another suplex, another DDT, another clothesline or anybody jumping off the top rope. Why? Because it wasn't genuine. 
And that's just wrestling. Who cares, right? But today we're going to come across a moment in time when God said to Israel, shut the doors. Shut the doors to the temple. Unprecedented. Well, here's the gravity of that. It's not just take the day off for the priests. The gravity of this, shutting the temple and shutting down the sacrifices would have upset the whole calendrical cycle, the feasts and everything for the Jews. This would have upset everything. You don't just do this. God says, you know what? Shut it down. You're just play acting. Take your makeup off. If you're just going to play, go home. I wonder, wonder amongst sections of Christianity, and maybe some churches, I wonder whether God would say the same thing today. And what would cause God to say that? Today as we work our way through just a short few verses, they are filled with some heavy, heavy content this morning. But what we're going to be exposed to is careless worship. And by the time we finish today, we need to ask three really important questions. What is careless worship? What would bring God to say that? What is careless worship? What is the cause of careless worship? But most importantly, before we go home today, what is the cure for careless worship? Malachi chapter... Let's, let's go back to the start. And just read the verses we covered last week. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. And as we work our way through Malachi, we'll see that he asks questions and he rhetorically answers them. It's kind of how, uh, it's how I like to parent. When it comes to my boys, I like to ask them questions and answer it for them at the same time. <laughs> would you like to clean your room? Yes, you would. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. And we exposed God's enormous love. Why? We look at that verse and we go, how could God possibly hate Esau? No, 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 wrong question. How could God possibly love Jacob? That's the message here. I have loved you and you don't deserve it. You've never earned it. You can't buy or earn God's love. It's free. The message of Malachi is that it's to be reciprocated. This is interesting because the verses that follow uh, speak about Edom and Edom was on the border of Israel and Israel had been through some pretty challenging times with exile and, and Edom was doing okay and, and they were looking at Edom going, well, hang on a second, God treats us like this and puts us into exile, but they're going, okay, God wants Israel to know something about Edom. I have laid waste to his hill country and left his heritage to the jackals of the desert. If Edom says we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says they may build, but I will tear down. What man will build, God will tear down. Verse 5 is really important. Your own eyes shall see this and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. That's going to become important as we work our way through the following verses. Let's go on to verse 6. A son honours his father, says Malachi. Uh, A a son honours his father and a servant his master. If then I am your father, where is my honour? And if I am a master, where is my 
fear. And here's what God is saying to the people of Israel. You run around everywhere telling everybody I'm your father. You run around telling everybody I'm your master. Oh yeah, well where's my honour and where's my fear? If I'm truly your father, you would honour me with obedience. In in ancient times, how could you honour your father? You would honour with obedience. Obedience that was uh, fueled by love and devotion. Uh, How else would you uh, honour your father? You would behave in such a manner to never bring disrepute upon the name and shame upon the name. But he says, you know what? If I'm your father, where's my honour? You guys are play acting. Uh, Malachi is speaking to a people. You might think, well, you know what? They've... They've kind of reached a spiritual scepticism and an apathy. They've kind of drifted away from the things of God. So therefore, you know, these guys were still going to the temple as regular as they always were. Uh, The animals were still being sacrificed. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Everything was going along on the outside, but on the inside, these guys were bored. Later on, we'll read Malachi says, you say this is a weariness. How could you possibly become bored with God? If I am your father, where is my honour? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? And maybe the message to us today is you can have all of the profession and none of the possession. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that in that time, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But, but Lord, we, we, we heal the sick in your name. We cast our demons in your name. And Jesus says, away from me, I never knew you. You can have all of the profession. The question that comes to Israel and to us today, do you have the possession? Is Christ our Lord? But how did they get to this point? Where is my fear, says the Lord? What does God mean by honour? He means respect. What does he mean by fear? Reverence. That's, that's not I'm afraid, I'm going to hide under the table kind of fear. Except those that were confronted with the glory of God, that's exactly what they felt like doing. Uh, Isaiah says that he, that he uh, was a man of unclean lips and he dwells with those of unclean lips. John, who had spent three years with Jesus. Uh, the, Re- the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. You'd be pleased to know. Not the revelation of anything else. The revelation of Jesus Christ and when John turned to hear the voice he says I fell down like a dead man which kind of removes the Jesus meek and mild long blonde hair blue nobody in the Middle East has got blonde hair and blue eyes If I'm your master, where is my fear? Where is my reverence? Where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you O priests who despise my name that's a, that's a big accusation. What does it mean, before we go any further, what does it possibly mean to despise the name of God? It means to show contempt. It means to treat as worthless. Th- these are deep words. Your heart shows me contempt. I have little value in your sight. That's what it means. But you say, how have we despised your name? Good question, right? Okay, Lord, if 
If you're saying we've despised your name, if you're, just, if you're saying that we've, we've, we've reached a place that uh, we're showing contempt and, and you have no value anymore, and uh, how did we ever get to this point? God says, well, by offering polluted food upon my altar. What's polluted food? You'd be pleased to know it wasn't kale. By offering polluted food. But what, what, God, what do you mean by polluted? Polluted means to be stained. It means to be defiled. It means that somewhere they have defiled the holiness code. It's kind of like you guys are just doing what you want, how you want. There's a whole lot that's going to come out in a moment. But by offering polluted food upon my altar. But, but you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. That my altar may be despised. That you will come into my presence uh, and you will bring what? You will offer me your blind animals in sacrifice. Is that not evil? When you offer me your blind animals, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? What is going on here? Well, uh, we know that worship in the temple involved sacrifices and, and there was a process. So this is a, this is a twofold accusation right now. The first one is to the priests. Why? Because when they brought their sacrifices to the temple, they would present them to the priest which would, who would legitimise the offering. Yes, this is a legitimate offering. Yes, it meets the regulations of the Lord. But the priest had got to such a place, you just bring whatever you want. Doors are open, you worship however you want. Yes, we'll accept that. But the biggest problem wasn't necessarily that they were bringing the blind and the lame. They had more than plenty healthy ones at home. Here's what they're saying. Oh, we'll come, we'll come to the temple, Lord. We'll, we'll, but you're not, you're not worth my best. I'm going to leave my best at home. I, I want to come and worship you, Lord, but um, I don't want it to impact my family financially. So we'll give you the. We were going to throw these out anyway. How dare they? Hold the bus. You see, Israel, they're saying to God, you know what, we'll bring what's left over. We'll give you our leftovers, God. God says to them, he says, the very next verse is, present that to your governor. Who's the governor? The Persian governors that were still exacting taxes from Israel. Uh, God says, go and give them your blind and You wouldn't dare give that to them because you hold them in a bigger place than I do. The problem with the priest is, you know what? You fear the people more than you fear me, so you're going to let them just do whatever they want. But I wonder today, I, I warned you, I didn't write the Bible, that's why I'm thankful for Malachi, I didn't write the Bible, but I wonder whether the apple has fallen too far from the tree. I wonder whether we look across the landscape of church today, whether anything has really changed. Maybe it sounds like this, maybe it sounds like, you know what God, I want to honour you with my finances, but I'm going to pay all of my bills first and then I'll give you what's left over. Uh, I'm going to stop the bus and talk about giving for 3.2 nanoseconds. When it comes to giving, here's the golden rule. The amount is not the most important thing. It's first fruits. It's coming to God and saying, here, before I do anything else with my money, I honour you by giving what I have decided in my heart. It's first fruits. But it's also first fruits of your time and everything else that God gives us. 
What else does that look? I am astounded. Uh, If the Bible is preaching a message to us today, if we wake up Sunday morning and we have any more than one option of what we're doing with our Sunday, has something not gone wrong? Well, I've had a busy week this week, Lord, and I haven't had much family time and the sun's out, so we're going to go to the beach. I'll catch you next week. Me and the old man have got an agreement upstairs. and Or maybe it's grandma's birthday today. Well, she'll still be celebrating it later. Why is it that we push God to the background and say, you know what, I'll give you what time I've got left over. If I've got enough time and I've got nothing else on on Sunday, I might turn up to church. If if I've got nothing else, you know how busy I am, Lord. Maybe if I've got some time left over at the end of the day, I'll come and give you my dregs and then we want the presence of God to come in our midst. Who do we think we are? Lord, have mercy on us. We may not be bringing blind lambs and defiled sacrifices But has worship got any less careless in some respects? Friends, this morning's message is not a you, you, you message. It's a we, we, we. And I'm not French. (laughs) There was a time in my life when I had all the justifications that I, I could give you all the reasons you need to work 80 to 100 hours a week and tell God you're doing the right thing. But it wasn't long before I realised, you know what, I'm busy about building my kingdom here. How about I stop that for now and get busy about extending your kingdom? We've all been there. There's been seasons in my life. I'm preaching to myself today. You guys are off the hook. Today I'm just talking to myself, which is first sign of craziness. The second one is when you guys answer me, but <laughs> but there were seasons in my life when my worship was careless. I'll get to you, God, when it suits me. You know what, Lord, I just want to put you over here for about 10 years and I'm going to go and do all this stuff and, and then when everything's all sorted out, uh, here's an insight for you today. It will never all be sorted out. And if you determine, Lord, you know what, I'm going to go about my day and there just may be enough time tonight, I can guarantee you the phone will ring, the emails will come in and you'll have no time tonight. You need to make time for God. You need to make room for God. There was a rich young ruler that just didn't understand it. I love Jesus' response here, by the way. Uh, for the, There's some aeroplane buying evangelists that need to hear this today. But a rich young ruler came to Jesus and says, what do I do? I want eternal life. And Jesus says, well, what was the end of it? He says, go and sell all that you have. Oh, right. And here's what Jesus says. He didn't say, give me what you sell. No. Jesus says, go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Jesus didn't want his money. He wanted his heart. Now, what we do with our money, what we do with our time, how we treat people in our relationships is a reflection of how or what measure we value the Lord. Absolutely. That's important today. All those things are important. When we're in the house on a Sunday morning, communion is worship. Singing is worship, unless you're listening to me. But but singing is worship. Make a joyful noise, says the Lord. Giving is worship. Fellowship is worship. When you offer blind animals 
in sacrifice? Is that not evil? Would you ring your boss Monday morning and say, hey, listen, if I've got the time, I might pop into work today? (laughs) Ring the bank and say, you know what, if I've got some money left over, I'll pay the mortgage. They'll say, don't worry about how much you've got left over, champ. We'll take the car and the house. What would the boss say? Okay, before we go any further, I want you to know I love you. My name's Sean. We're friends this morning. <laughs> For now. <laughs> Everything, everything's going to be okay. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? They had, what is careless worship? How do we define careless worship? We define careless worship by when we come to give God just our leftovers. But we, we want to give God all of our leftovers, right? But we want the best from God. It's like, hey, you know, uh, once every five to six weeks when I turn up, Lord, you know what? I want your presence to be there. I want to be blessed. I, Present that to your governor, says the Lord. Will he accept you or show you favour? Careless worship. It's worship with a heart. Has God has lost his value inside of our heart. We're going to work through the cause as we go on. Remember Jesus said that if you're going up to the temple to offer your gift and you have something against your brother, leave your gift and go and sort that out with your brother, then come back and offer your gift. Why? Because you can't worship while your heart is in turmoil. Uh, for those married folk in the room, I'm going to make you a guarantee. The lights are about to go on. If you're going to have an argument or a disagreement with your spouse, it's going to be Sunday morning. <laughs> That's right, Sue's the only one that disagrees, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but what does that mean? It means this. It means the, the enemy will do everything he can to upset your heart so that when you come in here, all you're thinking about is something else. Maybe you get that text message. Maybe you have that argument. Maybe, maybe you trip over the cat. And maybe, whatever it may be on your way to worship, the Lord wants to know that the enemy is seeking to upset your heart. And so what Jesus says was, deal with what's upsetting your heart first, then come into worship. And now entreat the favour of God, verse 9, that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favour to any of you? Great question. If you're going to bring that gift to the temple, if you're going to bring that to the church, if you're going to give God your leftovers, is he going to rain his favour down upon you? Chances are, no. Verse 10, I love this verse. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. What we see here, we're going to go to another verse in a moment to unpack what is the cause 
of careless worship. What is careless worship? Careless worship is where we give God our leftovers, where God has lost his glorious greatness in our presence and we think we can treat God less than we treat other people and so we're showing contempt and despising his name in worship. That's careless worship. What's the cause? Well, uh, there's enormous freight in two words here in the Hebrew. I read the verse again, there's enormous freight. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. That word in the Hebrew, shinam, carries an enormous amount of freight. Let me read you another verse where it's translated a little bit differently and has really powerful meaning. I'll give you the context in a moment. 2 Samuel 24, verse 24, you can read this at home. But the king said to Arona, no, but I will not buy it. No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that you know, that cost me nothing. You see, David got it. Uh, Let me give you the context. David takes a census of Israel and the pride that had filled his heart. uh, This was about David wanting to know how many men he had, how big an army do I have, how big a nation am I ruling over. So he censors the people and and God is displeased. God gives him three options, uh, seven years of famine, I think it is. I think it's three years uh, of enemies invading or it's three days of a plague. So (laughs) David says... Three days. I'll take the three days. Thank you. Uh, but uh, the plague wipes out something like 70,000 people. And it's threatening Jerusalem. And it says, not really interesting language here, it doesn't say a angel of the Lord. It says, the angel of the Lord came and rested at the threshing floor of Arana. That's a really interesting place. See, where the threshing floor was, was right on the top of Mount Moriah. And for those that know anything about biblical history, Mount Moriah was where Abraham walked Isaac up the mountain. You see, there's a classic example of defining what worship actually really looks like. Because what Abraham says to his entourage that come with him, you remain here while me and the lad go and worship. And so I just want my voice to know if we're ever walking up the hill and I've got, and I've got a pile of wood under my arm, we're going to worship. But what was happening here was, it's going to cost him something, right? Fast forward a few thousand years into the future, from this event that we're reading in 2 Samuel, and on the same set of hills, not the exact location, but on the same set of hills, another father would walk his son up the hill of Golgotha to be sacrificed. You see, David gets it. David says, because Arona says, hey, you're the king, you just, just, just take the threshing floor, I'll give it to you. And he says, no, 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 I cannot build an altar here or offer anything to God if it doesn't cost me something. And this isn't about the price that we pay necessarily. This isn't about uh, how much do I have to get. That's not what this is about. This is about David recognises how great God is and I cannot treat him. What is the cause of careless worship when God loses his majesty and his glory and his greatness 
in our hearts. When other things become greater, how dare Australia call themselves a Christian nation when we would rather fill stadiums and cheer on a bunch of monkeys running around chasing a red ball, but we can barely fill the church. What are we saying is great? David says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God. It cost me nothing. So we've seen the we've seen what careless worship is, we've seen what the cause of careless worship is that God loses his greatness. How do we go where do we go from here? My heart is that the name of God would be great in this community, in the city of Brisbane, that it would once again be great amongst this nation. How do we achieve that? It has to be great in here first. That was the message to Israel. Let's read on, verse 10. Oh, that there were one of you that would shut the doors, that you might not kindle on my altar in vain. You bring everything, you bring your leftovers, it costs you nothing. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense, which is a reference to prayer, uh, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations. God keeps repeating, my name will be great among the nations. My name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is its food, may be despised. You say what a weariness this is. What a weariness this is. What a burden this is. That's what that that word means what a burden it is to come and do these things we do these things because we feel that we have to not because we want to and you snort at it says the lords of hosts you bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick and this you bring as your offering shall i accept that from your hand says the lord cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the lord what is blemished you guys have got Pure offerings, but you're bringing me your leftovers. Last verse of chapter 1. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And it will be feared among the nations. But it starts here. And so we, we ask ourselves the question, what is careless worship? It's when we despise the name of the Lord, when we show contempt. To show contempt is to, to show little value, to show little respect or little regard. Well, what is the opposite? The exact opposite of despising or, or showing contempt is to adore, it is to cherish, it is to love. We overcomplicate it. Here's what Malachi is saying to Israel. God has loved you. He just wants that love back. Mm. My name will be great among the nations. I look forward to that day. Increasingly look forward. But I know... God's pattern is he always deals with his people first. If we want 
God's name to be feared and respected out there, we need to fear God in here. We need to love God in here. How do we love God? What's the number one thing we can do as we walk out of these doors today? Lord, I want to love you more. I, I, say that, I find myself saying that so often. I know we all probably do. Lord, I want to love you more. I know that if we went around every person in the room here today, uh, everybody would say the same thing. I want to want God more. I, I want to love God more. How, how do we love God more? Put him back in his rightful place. Yes. Put him, put him back in his rightful place. You know what, God? I want to love you more. I'm going to make the time and the effort to get up earlier and spend time with you. Lord, I, I love you. I want to love you more. I'm going to stop giving you my leftovers and I'm going to give you the first fruits of everything I've got. I'm going to give you the first fruits of my time. Uh, if you want another word for worship, if you would like to kind of sum up what is worship, uh, it can be summed up with another word that's very simple. It's called attention. Give God your attention. Friends, by the time we finish the message that Malachi has for the people, God will say, return the love to me, return to me, repent, put your sins away, put me back in my rightful place. And God says, see what I will do. Friends, if we put God back in his rightful place and love on him as we should, then see what he will do in your family. See what he will do amongst your children that have drifted away from the Lord. See what he will do in your community. See what he might do in your neighbours. As people are prayer walking, great analogy, uh, see what the Lord might do. Let's pray. Father, we, we confess... We don't want you. None of us here want you as we should. Lord, we want to love you more. We want to want you more. I pray that every one of us would transfer our treasure into your kingdom because where our treasure is, there our heart will be. Jesus, today we, we say it so easily with our lips. Jesus, you are Lord. You are majesty. You're Prince of Peace. May our hearts say exactly the same thing as our lips, I pray. I pray in this church and I pray amongst the body of Christ that the name of God would once again be great. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.